Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between mental and emotional health and faith. This show is a safe and often fun space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Well, summer is in full swing, and as I always do, I'm taking off to rest and enjoy my family. In fact, as you're listening to this episode, my family and I are on our very first ever RV road trip. That's right, we are pulling a camper out west and we're visiting several national parks and hopefully making tons of memories along the way. So if you think of us, say a prayer for us. No, we're excited, but uh, yeah, there's definitely probably gonna be lots of stories to I'll get to share with you when I return. But with that said, I prayed about what to do with this podcast while I'm resting, and I immediately felt the Lord impress upon my heart the number seven. Now, you might know that seven has great significance in the Bible. One of those meanings that spoke to me for this series is completeness. So after God spoke that number seven to me, he asked me to go back to episodes that we previously released and select seven episodes to re-release. Now, this had nothing to do with popularity or the number of downloads and everything to do with God saying that that one needed to be re-aired. So if you're new here, all these episodes that you're going to hear this summer are going to be fresh to you. So sit back and relax and just enjoy. But if you've been around for a while, and you've previously listened to these episodes, first of all, I want to congratulate you because I don't know that I have any listener that actually catches every single week's episode. If that's you, you deserve like a major round of applause and maybe some free books. So send me an email and say, hey, Rachel, I never miss an episode because I want to congratulate you personally. But here's the deal. God has highlighted these episodes and said there is something more he wants us to glean from them. So if you're pressing play today and you go, you know what, I've already heard this interview, I want to challenge you right now. Tune in. I believe that God is going to bring something up in these episodes that is a specific word for you. All right? So lean in and receive from today's episode. Well, John, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Rachel, it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be on your program with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, for those listening, I'm sure you recognize this Bevere name. I've had Lisa and Addison on the show. Actually, Lisa's been on twice on the show. And so I'm just thrilled to get more of the family. Who else do, Who else in the family wants to come on, you know? <laughs> Arden will be next. His okay. Okay. 20th. I'll be waiting for it. That's that's awesome. I love it. We love the Bevere family. We love everything that you guys do in your ministry. Um, and so today we are actually going to talk about one of your newest books. I know you've written a lot of books. Uh, before we jump into that, though, one question I'd love to ask my guests is what's maybe a fun fact about you that we did not read in your professional bio? Uh, fun fact is I really enjoy golf. We are a very, very competitive family. And I used to play tennis in college and I played the USTA circuit. So that was all BC. Yeah. Does your whole family play golf? 
Uh, three of our sons do. Lisa, I bought her a set of clubs about five years ago and they've never been used on a golf course. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. My husband and I, um, we live on a golf course and we um, try to, I mean, we're no good, but we just have fun going out and doing it. And my husband's like the happy Gilmore, like he can hit it really far, but it's always kind of off and I'm the putter. So we're like, Hey, if we just put us two together, we'll be great. You know, like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we have fun. So it's a fun date night usually for us. Um, okay. Perfect. We have a lot of stuff to get into. Your newest book is X, multiply your God-given potential. I love this so much. Tell me, I love to always ask authors, where did your heart for this book or your dream for the book come from? I actually have wanted to write this book for about seven years, but I made a covenant with God long ago that I wouldn't write a book unless he spoke to me. So I'm so glad I didn't write it seven years ago. Last year, he told me to write it, and I feel like I wrote it with a father's heart. I think if I wrote it seven years ago, I'd write it more with a prophetic heart. And so I, I love the tone in which it came out. Actually, my oldest son, Addison, said he read the book in one day. And I said, come on, it's 270 pages. He said, well, I got up and go, went to the bathroom twice. And he said, Dad, I've never seen a book like this from you. He said, it's just uh, he said, it's probably one of my favorites because it's so conversational. So the real passion behind this book is, let me, let, let me do something with your listeners. This will really help get us going, all right? Um, if you hear the statement, she has a call on your life on her life, or he has a call on his life. Where does your mind go? Let's just really be gut level honest. We immediately think uh, that pastor, missionary, worship leader, children's pastor. Okay, that is such an untrue thought. Every single child of God has a calling on their life. So little story to open it up with. Um, I think it was about seven years ago. I was with one of our partners, our ministry partners, Lisa and I and, and Messenger International, along with all of our partners, we've been able to give away over 40 million resources to pastors and leaders in uh, 226 nations now in 111 languages. Well, this man has given significant amount to that effort. And uh, we were together and he said, John, he got very vulnerable. He said, look, I've really worked my tail off on my businesses. And now my net worth is over 9 million. My wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. He said, I just turned 50. Why should I work as hard through the decade of the fifties to build my worth up to 35 million? And I knew it was a really important moment, Rachel. So I looked inside and the Holy Spirit gave me the answer. And I said, well, let me answer your question with another scenario. I said, you know, I've written at that time, it was 17 books. I said, they're in over 80 languages. I've gotten on planes and traveled to over 60 nations. I've stood on major platforms in churches. Um, I've fought jet lag. I've eaten really crazy foods. I've encountered different cultures. I've lived in a little 400 square foot box hotel room. Some years, as much as 200 nights a year, leaving my family. I said, you know, my wife and children are cared for life. Why should I get on another plane? Why should I write another book? And he laughed, Rachel, he laughed at me. And he said, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you face Jesus. And I said, Stan, you just said the exact same words. And I remember that laugh, that smile on his face, just completely, totally left. And a look of shock hit his face. He turns to me, we were downtown LA and he turns to me, he says, what are you talking about? And I said, Stan, every single one of us has have a call of God in our life. And with that calling are these unique giftings. And they're supernatural giftings that gives us the ability to accomplish that calling. And I said, you look at my gifts, it's writing and speaking, and you've connected my dots easily. 
I said, the problem is you haven't connected your dots. I said, you have unique giftings and you can do one of three things with those giftings, Stan. I said, you can use them to build yourself and your family. I said, or you can use them as intended to build the kingdom, or you can just sit on those gifts. And I said, the, the truth of the matter is your gifts, according to the Bible, are actually more honorable than mine because mine are seen gifts. Yours are not seen gifts. And I remember he told me six months later that he was haunted in a good way by the words that I spoke to him. And so the goal of this book is to get people to really understand there's not a separation between secular and sacred. Let me give you one more example, Rachel, that I think really will help your listeners understand what I'm trying to say here. And that is this, I have a pastor who, he pastors a, he's a really close friend. He pastors a church over 30,000 and every year they do a leadership conference. And there's a very well-known medical doctor in his church. And he was walking through the sanctuary the day before the conference. And he saw this medical doctor putting the pamphlets on the delicate seats. And he rushed over to the, uh, to the medical doctor. He said, doc, doc, you don't need to be doing this. we got volunteers and interns who do this. And he said, the doctor rebuked him and said, pastor, I take one week off my medical practice a year to build the kingdom. Please don't take this from me. Rachel, I've cried over this. I mean, I was on a podcast two weeks ago and I literally cried. And that doctor, I want you to stop and think with, with me about this. 51 weeks a year, he's in the secular. He's earning a living. One week a year, he's in the sacred. When in reality, he's in the sacred 52 weeks a year. So when he goes in 51 out of 52 weeks of a year into his practice, he sees himself as earning a living instead of realizing he's uniquely gifted by God to build the kingdom of God through the medical field. And what I'm doing in this book is getting people to understand, first of all, that every single Christian is gifted. The Bible is very clear about that. Not every single pastor, every single Christian, the Bible says. And those gifts, what we've done is we've limited those gifts to the four walls of the church. Okay. Now, probably 98% of those gifts work outside the walls of the church. And so the passion here is to get the people understand, number one, I'm called. Number two, I am supernaturally gifted. So now they'll carry the passion of Mother Teresa, of Billy Graham, of Oral Roberts, of Pastor Robert Morris. They will have that kind of a passion because they know God has sent me in as, an, as a school teacher into the educational system to absolutely bring him glory. And so the burden is this. I look at these gifts and they are supernatural. And the Bible says we're stewards of, of an ability that belongs to God. So my writing ability, my speaking ability, isn't my ability. It's actually God's that I steward. And when you steward something, you're not micromanaged. You actually get to choose whether you're going to invest it, use it, okay, or sit on it. And there are a lot of people out there that are listening to us that think if I live godly, in other words, if I'm faithful to my husband, faithful to my wife, faithful in my job, I attend church, I treat people well, I act like a Christian, the gifts of God in me will automatically work. That is such a false thought. There is not, there's nobody in the New Testament more godly than Timothy. Paul wrote to an entire church and said, he has Christ-like character. And he said, Timothy never thinks of himself. He thinks about everything else, about what's important to Jesus. 
Yet Paul has to write to him two times and say, Timothy, the gift of you is not working. The God-given gift, stir it up. So the point of this is to get people to understand I've got a gift. I need to identify it and or gifts. I need to identify it or them. I need to develop it or them. And I need to multiply it or them. Oh, this is so good. You know, one of the reasons I love um, having Lisa on the show and now you is I feel like I don't even have to prepare questions because I can just be like, here's the mic. You can just, you know, take the next 20, 30 minutes. Tell us everything you know, because you two are just so full of wisdom. Like all the words that come out are just just full of well, wisdom. And um, one of the things that really resonated with me, the story you told I, my husband and I, so my husband is a doctor and we own a medical practice. And we actually today, right before I got on this call with you, celebrated our 10 year anniversary of owning the practice. And we did a, we did a big ribbon cutting and, um, and we were just kind of thinking back and we'd actually bought the practice from a, a doc who was retiring a decade ago. And what was interesting about that time was my husband and I actually, when we got married, thought we were going to be in full-time ministry, like as a vocation. You are in yeah, full-time ministry. Exactly. <laughs> and so when we bought the practice at first, I was a little confused because I was like, wait, I thought we were going into ministry. And then the the wife of the the previous owner said, oh, honey, you're going into ministry. <laughs> like, you know, and she was right. Like she just, she already spoke that over us. That, like you said, I mean, we're business owners, and but we're in the community. And I cannot, you know, I could sit here all day and say all the things that we've gotten to do ministry wise that is technically in the secular world, but the Lord has absolutely planted us. And so I'm so glad you brought that up because I do believe there's a lot of listeners who, just like you said, I mean, for years, I always thought that when you heard that, just like what you said, the calling, you automatically think, oh, you're called to be a pastor or you're called to go speak on stages or whatever. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up because I know that will resonate with so many people. Um, One thing that I love about your book and I agree with Addison. I think he said that, was he the one who said it was an easy read? I was reading through it last night um, while my kids were doing some homework, and it I, I was really drawn to the chapter, I think it's actually one of the last chapters, on the anointing. That's something that's near and dear to my heart because I've always told the Lord, I don't want to go into any situation without the anointing, you know, because you can tell a difference big time when you go and do something and, and the anointing's not with you. The, it, it's just so different. There's It's a night and day difference and um, everything. And so I would love to hear you talk uh, and kind of explain the anointing, explain what that looks like, explain maybe how somebody could know they're anointed to do something. So, and that's really good. Um, I, I actually, it was one of my favorite chapters, I'll be honest with you. And um, although it is the last chapter, so I feel like it's kind of like if we see a movie at the end and all we see is the last 15 minutes, that movie's not going to have as big an impact that if we walk through the drama, the first hour and 45 minutes. So this one's going to be tough. I will say that because you have to understand what builds up to it before this chapter really impacts you. But to put it simply, the anointing is the enhancer of our gifts. So in other words, okay, the first time Lisa heard me preach after we got married, I put her to sleep. I put her, her best friend was sitting next to her on the front row and she had drool coming out of the side of her mouth. And Then the day came when my pastor launched me into ministry. And the first time I spoke, 2,500 people got up and were on their feet for over four minutes screaming. And my wife was like, who in the world just spoke? So what happened was that gift kicked in for me to speak, right? 
But what also was there because of my obedience and my relationship with God was the anointing, which is that touch of the spirit that enhances the gift. So in other words, I have heard speakers that are outstanding. Okay. And oh my goodness, they communicate a message, a point so well. But then I've heard speakers who absolutely move me to the core of my being. I've heard people sing like amazing voices. Then I've heard other people sing with not as amazing voices, but I was moved to the core of my being. I can name singers out there that have unbelievably gifted voices, but I'm not moved as I am with people with less gifted voices. So that anointing, it almost like, it's almost like what I like to say is it's the enhancer that causes a greater performance. Now, when I say performance, I'm not talking about Hollywood performance. I'm not talking about musical performance. I'm talking about performing and building God's kingdom, impacting lives. And so if we attempt to do what we do without that anointing, we are going to appeal to men's emotions and women's emotions, their intellects, but we won't move them at the very core of their being, which is so important for eternal impact because there's natural impact and there's eternal impact. And what's most important and what endures forever is eternal impact. That's what I'm attempting to get people to do in this message is I'm attempting to get the nurse in the ER room the school teacher in the elementary school, the line worker in the factory, the stay-at-home mom, to understand you are truly supernaturally gifted. And with that gifting, you want to see that anointing on your life because you'll have eternal impact. And I actually show in the book, and you probably, I don't know if you read that one or not, but I have a particular burden for stay-at-home moms. I show how a stay-at-home mom literally impacted millions because she was faithful to the gift of God on her life. And so, I mean, there's just, there's so much to be said, Rachel, but what's really, really important is, is that God is anticipating us to multiply our giftings. Mm. So the first problem we have is, and this statistically Over 90% of the people in the body of Christ don't realize that they are supernaturally gifted. Okay. And if they do realize it, they think it just automatically works. So I've already covered that. So if we got 90% of the people in America really either are not operating under the gifts or don't even know they're gifted, that means we have only 10% of the body of Christ that's really functioning. Now, what's going to happen when the whole body of Christ begins to function? It's like a human being. If, you're in a, your, your husband's a doctor. If you got a human being that comes into your office, your medical office, and only 10% of his body is working, we have a medical term for that. It's called invalid. So is the body of Christ an invalid right now in the sense of how we're operating? See, I see a body of Christ where the entire body's operating. And just as Paul said, the parts that are seen, you and I, Rachel, we have seen parts. If the parts that are seen are not as valuable as the parts that are not seen. And so those parts that are not seen, if we get those operating and we get them to operate with the same passion as Mother Teresa, then all of a sudden now we are going to see kingdom multiplication. Yeah. So why do you think then 
Because I feel like this is something that we have heard, yet this whole idea of people place a lot of significance of the gifts that are on a platform, that are seen. How do we break that? I mean, how do we get through that and get us all to just truly receive what you're talking about here? That, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm on the in the public spotlight or if I'm behind the scenes, my gifts are needed in the kingdom. And, and yeah, how do we overcome that mindset? How many years, how many years of um, extra schooling past graduating from high school did your husband have to go through to become a doctor? Eight. Eight? Eight. Okay. Eight years. Eight years to learn the importance of all of the different parts of a human's body because he's a, a medical doctor. So eight years to get an understanding of how important each part is. Now, we expect to understand how important the body of Christ is by just doing surface reading in the scripture. Mm. So what, this, what this book is, is this book is a ton of scriptures that are compiled in a systematic way through the anointing to get people's hearts and minds open up to the fact of the reality of how important their gift is, even though it's not seen. So if it took your husband eight years to really understand the human body, I think we need a little bit of study to understand how, how important all the gifts are so that our focus gets off the platform as being the only true gifts that are important in building the kingdom onto the fact that, oh my goodness, everybody around me who is a strong believer, who is operating in what God's called them to operate in, are very important to the building of the kingdom. Rachel, what this book will do is bring value to what every single person does that's listening to us. Not only will it bring value, it will help them identify the supernatural giftingness on their life, develop it, and multiply it. Yeah. Okay. If if it wouldn't make a big, loud, clunking noise, I'd drop my mic over here right now, but we're not going to do that because that was powerful what you just said. I hope you recognize that. I really hope the listeners caught that because you essentially just broke it down in a way I've never heard somebody explain it, probably because I understand the medical side of what you just said. But just that is very powerful to think about the fact that if we are not in the word, we'll never fully embrace, like you said, the the gifts that God has for us and how they play a part in the kingdom and then be humble enough to take whatever seat it, on the bus it is that he, he wants to place us, right? You know, so... I, I love that. Was, oh, that's so powerful. Okay, we've got about five minutes left. So one other thing that I want to talk to you about, I'm trying to decide which thing I want to talk about. Well, I think really should talk about multiplication. Okay. I mean, we haven't touched that yeah, yet. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay, so here's a paradigm shift. Up till I was 50 years old, I saw faithful as being dependent, consistent, reliable, loyal, and I have asked leadership groups all over the world, give me your one word definitions of faithful. And they include all those words and a few more. But do you know the most important definition of faithful is multiplication? Wow. And you say, John, where do you get that? If you look at the parable of the talents, you have three servants that are inside of a kingdom. The Lord gives or the, the owner gives each of them gifts or gift, a gift. One gets one, one gets two, one gets five. These represent our supernatural giftings. He goes on a long trip. Now, Paul makes it clear, we steward these gifts, and stewards are not micromanaged. That guy going on a long trip means I'm going away, and I'm going to come back at the end and find out how you handled it. So 
God isn't like micromanaging us. He expects us to use these gifts. So two of them multiply. The one with five ends up with 10. I'm going to call her Allison. The one with two ends up with four. I'm going to call him Dave. And then Larry maintains what's given to him. He starts with one and ends up with one. Now, the, the Lord comes back after a long trip. So this is typifies at the end of our life. And he says, I want to see how you used what I entrusted to you, what you were a steward of. Okay. Allison multiplies her five to 10. Dave multiplies his two to four. What does the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, if that's all he said, I can't write this book. But it's the next statement that really grabs me. You were faithful over a few things. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't say anything about him being steadfast, anything about him being consistent, anything about him being joyful, anything about him being a a servant full of hope. The only thing Jesus identifies is that he went from five, she went from five to ten. That's it. So the only thing he identifies is the fact she multiplies. So he directly equates multiplication with faithfulness. Mm. And then you get Larry, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, this isn't about salvation. This is about our labor. Okay, wicked, that would trouble a lot of our listeners. That word wicked means possessing a serious fault that would hinder our fruitfulness. So in other words, he's not saying, out of here, you're, you're, you're done, you're going to hell. He, what he's saying is, I gave you a gift and you didn't use it. And that, this tells us that God equates faithfulness with multiplication and laziness with maintenance. And I think a lot of people sometimes think, Oh, I've got my nice little business. I go to church every week. I'm faithful. No, according to this parable, you're lazy. And if you look at the number one command that God gives to mankind on the earth, God says, be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't just saying have babies, although that is part of it. He was saying, anything I entrust to you, return it back to me multiplied. Now, I don't want to put pressure on your listeners, but the only way you can do this is by faith. Mm. So in other words, if you don't hear this, you don't hear the word of God in regard to this, you won't have faith to multiply. But when you hear the word of God about this, all of a sudden your heart is open for multiplication. And so that's how we've gotten to the place where we've been able to give away over 41 million resources to pastors and leaders in 226 nations. Because 10 years ago, we had like over 25,000 churches in America using our curriculums. And the Spirit of God spoke to me 10 years ago, and he said, you've been faithful with the English-speaking community. What's the only thing I did? I multiplied. We had books, and I thought... These books need to go farther. So we created studies and curriculums so that more people could get the messages. He was saying you multiplied with the English speaking community. Now I want you to multiply with every pastor and leader in the world that can't afford books. Mm. Get your materials into every single pastor and leader in the world that can't afford them. So this is what we should be believing for. Now, again, I can't stress enough. This is not about striving, struggling. This is about believing because the apostles said to Jesus, what do we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, believe. So this isn't about our how, how much we strive in our own ability. This is about how much we believe and cooperate with that grace, that supernatural gifting. And that's what this book will point out 
I hope I didn't hijack your question. No, no, that was awesome. Um, and I'm, that's a great way to end. I'm curious, what would be an action step for somebody who was convicted just now? Like, I mean, I feel convicted. Like, oh, man, I have some areas of my life that I probably have just been in maintenance mode, you know, instead of multiplication. So how can I go from maintenance to multiplication? So the Holy Spirit is our helper. Quick story. Last year, I was asked to meet with a billionaire, multi-billionaire. And he wanted me to minister to him. And I realized the three hour lunch was me ministering or him ministering to me. And he said to me, he said, John, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the marketplace. I'm struggling as a businessman. I'm reading all the books, the New York times bestsellers on how to do business and have a better business. And he said, I'm still struggling. He said, one day I'm sitting in church and he said, I'm watching my pastor preach. And he said, the thought came to me, my pastor's called to do that. I'm called to be in the business world. He's depending right now on the Holy Spirit to do what he's doing. Why don't I depend on the Holy Spirit in the marketplace? Mm. He said, what I did is he said, I got a notebook of paper. And he said, I put it out on my desk every morning. I'd say, all right, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? And he said, the Holy Spirit started telling me to do some things that I felt were very insignificant. Now think, listen to me carefully. What is the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed. It's very small. It seems insignificant. He said, and I'm sitting there looking at this going, really? And I began to do it. And he said, John, I began to explode. He said, God told me to do something in an acquisitions meeting that seemed very insignificant. I did it 20 times in that meeting. And he said, I own 20 hospitals in Vietnam. He, then he told me how he bought the second largest bank in the world. And it was mind blowing. And he said, and so here I am today now, a multi-multi-billionaire. And he said, if I would have kept struggling without the help of the Holy Spirit, he said, I still would have been a floundering businessman, and I would not have been able to build the kingdom of God, both through my influence and through my giving, as I have been able to do. So the number one step is get a notebook pad out every day and sit down and say, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm a third grade teacher. What are we doing today? Okay. And write down what he puts in your heart and obey it. It means seem insignificant, but that one step of insignificance could end up being the greatest step. If you would have said to me, John Bevere, 30 years ago, if you would have said to me, John Bevere, you'll impact tens of millions of lives through your books. Cause right now our books are in the tens of millions. I would have laughed you out of the room. But there was a day in the summer of 1991 that the Holy Spirit whispered a very insignificant, what I thought was really insignificant statement. I want you to write. Now, my worst subject in high school is English and creative writing. So it's even more insignificant to me. And I didn't do anything for 10 months. But 10 months later, I began. I wrote a contract with God and I said, you got to help me. And now today, I've been able to impact tens of millions of lives through the writings because I obeyed one insignificant little whisper of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm so glad we ended on this because I actually recorded a short podcast episode a few months ago and I called it the Holy Spirit Hustle um, because I feel like that is the story of my life that when I'm striving in my own strength, I'm going nowhere. I'm like, I could work 
40 or, you know, 40 hours a day, even though there's not 40 hours in the day, right? I could work around the clock and not get the same um, results as when I lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit and let him tell me what to do and where to go. So John, I could talk to you for days. Um, I know our time is up. Is there any final word you want to give the listeners or just let them know where they can grab a copy of your book and connect with you in the online space? They can get the book at Target. They can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, any parable bookstores. They can get it at Christian uh, Warehouse, uh, or they can go to JohnBevere.com. And I just, I just hope, because it's my sincere hope, that people will get this book, and they won't, they won't speed read it, but they'll actually take it, maybe a chapter a day, and let it really absorb into their heart. Because I know what it's going to do. It's going to build faith. It's also going to give them understanding, but it's going to build faith to multiply. If we can accomplish that, Rachel, we'll get this job done a whole lot quicker of telling the world, discipling the nations so that Jesus can return for his bride. Awesome. Well, John, thank you again for taking time to come on the show. I cannot wait to introduce the listeners to you and can't wait for them to get your book in their hands as well. Rachel, thank you so much. It's a pleasure meeting you today. Well, friends, that's it for today. Hey, for more free resources or just to connect, you can visit rachelgilbert.com and browse the goodies there. I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.